Hello, lovely listener. I'm your host, Lindsay, and you're listening to Two Cents Podcast, your Audible anthology. This episode, we'll be having a look at Gabby Hanna's latest poetry book, Dandelion. Though its four out of five star rating on Amazon contrasts the various videos that were made in reaction to it, I'd like to give my two cents and hopefully broaden the opinion camp. With that, cue the intro. Gabby Hanna is a longtime YouTuber and now appears to be morphing into a musical artist and writer. She reached her peak on YouTube during the vlogging era with David Dobrik and friends, and was also a popular face on the gone but never forgotten Vine. Mind That Dandelion is her second book, following her unforgettable first release, Adultolescence. Her debut book was reviewed by YouTube's finest. James Marriott, Drew Gooden, Alizé and Rachel Oates all had a go at dismantling her cringe-inducing attempt at a Bo Burnham-style poetry book. I got the sample on my Kindle and I was welcomed with the following. This is titled Unexpected. Ladies and gentlemen, come have a look. Here at last, another YouTuber book. Just what we needed. Someone to produce the tangible ego of a 20-something douche. And I was amused, truly. But the rest of the sample was just not good. In the end, I decided not to purchase it, but rather enshrine it. Despite the fact that I don't have the full adolescence book, I've made sure that I have a substantial perception of Gabby Hanna's writing style so that fair inferences on her progress as a writer can be made. But before we head over to Dandelion, I'd like to grace you once more with one of Ms. Hannah's advices that really caught me off guard because of the disorienting spacing for which I am still searching for their purpose. This one's called Advice 14. When I was a kid, my biggest fear was getting lost in space and it turns out maybe I shouldn't have been so stressed about that because I don't have a spaceship so don't make problems where there aren't any all I can say is wow <laughs> before I purchased dandelion I searched for videos and I watched a bit of Rachel Oates's review where I learned that Miss Hannah had sent Rachel a free copy for her to review, which I salute because Rachel's first review of Adultolescence was solemnly scathing in comparison to the other reviews that were more lighthearted and comedic. I ended up not watching Rachel's full video because it was nearly six, 60 minutes, like an hour, but her thumbnail bore a bold text reading, it gets worse. So that left me with quite the impression before I got the dandelion sample. I then watched a small bit of another review by, by Vangelina Skov, who I'll mention again in the analysis. So I got the sample and I already noticed so much of a difference in the acknowledgements. This time it felt like Gabby really had something to share. In adult lessons, the first pages feel like an attempt to sound like someone else. 
in this case, probably Bo Burnham. And the attempt is palpable and not very enjoyable. In contrast, Dandelion greets you with a personal memory and dedication from Gabby to her gran. Her gran had saved a newspaper clipping of a poem written by Gabby, which was written 16 years ago. And it's probably one of my favorites from the book. It reads, Autumn memories rush through my head Of leaves yellow, orange and red Cranberry sauce and pumpkin pies Cardinals singing and foggy skies Tranquil nights and cozy days Breezes blowing all the ways Raking leaves and diving in Treasured moments with my kin Musty air and rustling leaves I will cherish these autumn memories. How pleasant. It's such a lovely poem and it has a childlike simplicity about it that I just adore. After this page, I was actually looking forward to continuing on with the sample. I noticed a lot more improvement this time. Ms. Hannah showed the potential she has in giving insightful nuances like in her poem, Bloom. It reads... I was 26 years old when I saw my first flower. And instead of rejoicing in its beauty, I mourned for all the years I was blind. On the other hand, I did pick up a try-hard vibe in some of the other poems, which made me reminisce on the shower thought slash tweet type of content that was most of adolescence. But the thing is, the poems that did feel like she was trying too hard were too raw. And there's nothing wrong with raw. Raw expression and subject matter can be brilliant. But in this case, the rawness of the emotions that Miss Hannah is trying to portray need a lot of work, a lot more depth, because some of them feel like drafts and some feel pointless. Two examples are Help and Tinted. Tinted reads, Some people dance like no one's watching. I cry hysterically in my car like no one can see into my window. With Tinted, I understand what she's getting at, but I don't get the point or the purpose. It doesn't feel like a poem to me. Next, Help reads, Maybe you can't stop world hunger. Maybe you can't stop senseless violence, but you can stop loneliness. Maybe you can't offer food and water. Maybe you can't offer solutions, but you can offer your time. Maybe you can't change the past. Maybe you can't change the world, but you can change. You can keep your fake care. You can keep your thoughts and prayers, but you can give someone your heart. Maybe you can't be a hero. Maybe you can't be a saviour, but you can be a friend. You know, she had a good concept and the structure would have been great to create that contrast between the problem and solution, if only it just made sense. The poem starts off okay for the first six lines, but what, fo what follows after is really confusing and it messes up the message. Quote, Maybe you can't change the past, 
Maybe you can't change the world, but you can change. You can keep your fake care. You can keep your thoughts and prayers, but you can give someone your heart. I am purely confused. So I can keep my fake care, thoughts and prayers, but I can give someone my heart. My heart where these thoughts and prayers are motivated. It doesn't make sense to me and I feel like she's contradicting herself. Therefore, I concur. The message of selflessness is good, but just poorly expressed here. Nonetheless, I purchased the book for my Kindle for $8.60, $9 less than a printed copy. The first book was called out for wastage of paper, which I agree. But I think Dandelion is much better in terms of space usage, and I give the illustrations most of the credit. However, Vangelina Skov, who I mentioned earlier, spoke in her video about the problem that Gabby Hanna has with her two or three line poems that are essentially tweet worthy and take up less than a quarter of a page. While it is understandable that Ms. Hanna had a page number to meet, I think her page filler poetry hinders her progress and could be creating a bad habit of just wanting to fill pages than sprinkling the occasional page with a good write. Alas, in, dive, in diving into the book, I decided I'd divide my reactions into three groups. Fairly good, potential, and bad. Bad was further divided into doesn't make sense, impressionless, and tweet. To give you an idea of how the reading went, I tallied each category out of the 152 poems and the results are... 23 fairly good poems, which is 15% of the book. 32 poems with potential, which is 21% of the book. 9 truly bad poems, which makes 5%. 28 poems that didn't make sense, which is 18% of the book. 58 poems that were impressionless, which is 38%. And the lowest of the low. Tweets masquerading as poems made up 5% of the book. I added in a category of special poems that stood out for a variety of reasons, both good and bad, which was 5% of the book. I'd also like to add that there are poems that are featured in more than one category. I'll expand on them as we go on as well. So it took me a week and two days to finish the entire book, which is 244 pages consisting of poetry and short stories. As I mentioned before, I split my reactions into categories and I'll read a poem from each and explain why that certain poem is in its category. Starting us off in the fairly good poetry section is Blind. Blind was written for Molly, who I assume to be a friend to the author. It reads, What a cursed blessing to be forced into guessing the contents of a heart without the costume of pride. A beast or a beauty all comes down truly to not what can be seen, but what festers inside. 
No shallow perception means no misconception. You can't be distracted by the vanity dance. It makes me wonder, who'd choose this power of the shield from deception if given the chance? First and foremost, what I really appreciated about this poem is on the previous page is a copy of it in Braille and it just warms my heart to see the specialization of the poem for friends that are blind. I genuinely enjoyed this poem. Its structure and rhythm are well done, but it is the message that really struck a chord with me. Miss Hannah discusses how those who are blind perceive people and how their perceptions are grounded on the contents of the heart rather than superficial things like appearances that she calls the costume of pride. I love the lines, no shallow perception means no misconception because of how true they are. And while being blind is not a thing to be celebrated for lack of a better word, I can only imagine how great of a change I'd experience if I were to put aside my shallow perceptions more often, which I'd encourage us all to do. Overall, I applaud this piece great execution of a powerful message. Next up, we have the poems with potential, which are the second largest category. The poem I chose is Platonic. Here it goes. Your friendship feels like rejection. That's it. There are many short poems out there that do justice to this poetic niche, but I'm afraid Platonic doesn't cut it. Without the guise of illustration and contrasting colours that are in the book, this is just a statement and I can't fully count it as poetry. There's no ether to these words, no engagement of the senses or slight imagery. It's just a statement tossed with indentations that she could have expounded on. It says, your friendship feels like rejection, rejection of love, the classic case of unrequited sentiments. There's so much you could do with this feeling of one-sided affection. You could branch off and talk about how friendship is innately benign, but in such a case, it becomes a sore dagger to the heart because the feelings do not match. Hence why I feel like this poem had the potential to be something more. Next up, we have the category of truly bad poems. I will read you three. Number one is plagiarism. It reads, You can't take credit for my sadness. I earned this on my own. Number two is commitment. I don't want a boyfriend, I just want a guy to hang and grab food with almost every day and cuddle with every night. Who I can introduce to my parents and also doesn't talk to other girls in any romantic capacity. And maybe in the future, if it's something we both mutually decide is financially and personally right for us, buy a home and start a family. Nothing serious. I'm chill like that. Number three is Sword. It reads, 
If you want me. If you miss me. No matter what you've done to my heart. I'll expose my chest to you once again. Burn me once. Shame on you. Burn me twice. Shame on you. Burn me three times. I'll let you scatter my ashes across the wasteland of your selfishness. I've tried to build armor in callousness. To shield me from the relentless carelessness of the renters of my heart. But I've surrendered to the fact that I always have been and always will be this person. I'll always help people who don't deserve it, care for people who won't return it, and fight for people who easily forget it. I swim oceans for people who won't cross a teardrop for me. And if I drown, so be it. Frankly, I feel like this is the impression I get from most parts of her book. Desperation. A deep need for empathy. But it's so brash. Especially with plagiarism and sword. I understand that there are many who have felt and do feel like they are being used. But given that this is meant to be poetry, we need to draw the line between a rant and a poem. Yes, there are poems that have an informal tone, but various elements like diction, rhythm and structure help maintain their claims to be poems. On top of that, I wish she planned her poems because once again, they feel like drafts waiting to morph into something more poetic. That doesn't necessarily mean that she needs to use elaborate sentences and big words, But what she's missing is expressed in the following quote. Prose and verse writers are always searching for the right word, whereas the poet has a way with words that provides him the upper hand. Poets use words that are common. They just have the ability to give them new meaning and dimension. And that's what's lacking here. Then we have the impressionless poems that are generally forgettable, some of which I'd regard to be the page fillers of the book. I'm combining them with the poems that didn't make sense because at many times, some poems share these two categories. Together, these categories make up 56% of the book. So that should say something, probably. I'm not going to get deep into them, but here are a few. Number one is fishbowl. I keep every business card someone hands me as a reminder of all the people I'll never remember. Number two is titled prostitute. It's a bit iffy, mind you. My therapist reminds me a lot of my ex. He makes me cry at least once a week. But I keep going back to him. Honestly, take that as you may. But I'd love to get your thoughts in the comments. Number three is Stalker. It reads, I tried to follow my dreams, but they got a restraining order. Number four is Coin. 
I want you to know how much I resent you, but I can't tell you how much I hate you without revealing how much I loved you for the 10th time. And then number five is users. It reads, I do cool things for people so that they'll like me. Then worry that they only like me because I do cool things for them. I'm getting a bit tired, aren't you? Now, number six is the last one. And it is titled, Walk. Your advice was to run from the cops. But I still trusted you with my freedom. I still don't know what she means here. And yet, these are merely a teardrop in the ocean of impressionless poems that stain the pages of this book. Now, I understand that stain is a strong word. But I feel like Gabby has shown what she's capable of in poems like Blind and Bloom. But her good writing can't be fully enjoyed because it's constantly being disturbed by these page fillers. From my understanding, Dandelion took three years to complete. And my reaction is still undecided because many factors are at play. After all, she's not just a writer. She has other things grabbing her attention. But I hope you get my point. These mediocre poems are an obstruction. With regards to the special poems, these were poems that handled sensitive subject matter in a very contemplative way. Some were very good and others terrible. Because of the nature of the topics, I won't go into them. But in case you get the book and maybe want to see what I'm talking about, the special poems are Love, Assault, and Rides. Let me know if you ever get to them. I mentioned in the previous episode that there is always a remnant of wisdom or delight from a poem that etches itself onto you. And I found that days later, even after constantly revisiting the book to write the script, I can't think of a poem that has left an impression on me. And again, I genuinely think the page fillers could be part of the reason. However, though the poetry struggles to keep its head above water, I've been marked by Miss Hannah's short stories. And to be honest, I think that's where she shines the most. I must admit, Going into this whole thing, my mind already held Gabby Hanna as the problematic YouTuber with a track record for being fake deep. But reading her stories, which are practically memories from her life, made me set aside my mob mentality and absorb Miss Hanna's character the way she hardly gets the chance to present it. I can't say that after reading the stories, I think I have an idea of why or how she came to be the person she is or appears to be. After all, social media is not real life. But I ended up empathizing with her and her stories. The way they were written. Pleasant, very personable and down to earth. I could relate quite a bit with the topics. So I'll read you an excerpt from her story 
the second hot dog. I hope you're comfortable. My parents made sure we got to school early enough to eat the free breakfast. Some type of dessert or breakfast pizza. We qualified for free lunch, so we didn't waste any money on packing one. The way our lunch was set up, you either paid or you didn't when you reached the end of the line. That means if you got free lunch, anyone around would know it. The first half of my school career was spent doing everything I could do not to be seen. I patiently waited until every other student got their meal, insisting that I wasn't hungry. When my classmates asked me if I was getting in the line with them. Or I lingered in the hallway, mindlessly shuffling through papers in hopes of appearing to be busy. When everyone was seated and eating, I would say something al along the lines of, Eh, I guess I'd better eat. I don't want to be hungry later. When the coast was clear, I would slip into the cafeteria and swiftly grab a tray without the prying eyes of my classmates. Okay, so a little spoiler. This story deals with self-esteem issues as well as body image. And I personally think it carried a substantial message and... I applaud Ms. Hannah for her vulnerability. So we're nearing the end of the book review and I made it a point to ask and answer this question. What was Dandelion about? And I'll say it here and on my rating. Dandelion, being the author's second book, has an autobiographical essence about it. but. It is definitely a step up from her first release. Her tinctures of insightful poems regarding relationships, love and heartache, in combination with her engaging illustrations, make the book interesting. However, there's still a lot to work on. Less page fillers, incomplete ideas and unpolished work, and more thoughtful work like we see in her short stories. One can only read about the bitterness of a breakup or heartache so many times, and I hope the author takes this into consideration for her next work. It's a two and a half stars out of five from me. Alrighty, so that brings us to the end of this episode. Gabby Hanna's Dandelion, the good, the bad, and the potential. Thank you for sticking around and hearing what I have to say. And if you get the book or have something you want to add, you're more than welcome to comment or contact me either on social media or email if you want to discuss it further. I give many thanks, kisses and virtual hugs to the lovely listeners that poured out their support in the previous episode. It was my first episode and I was so nervous to put it out. Your support means so much to me and your responses were truly humbling and encouraging. I'm glad that this work is adding value to your thoughts and I thank you once more for your time. With that, if you'd like to join me again for another episode, I'd appreciate a follow on the podcast's Instagram at 2 PNF and a subscription to the podcast's YouTube channel, where the date for the next episode will be posted. If you'd like to purchase Dandelion, I'll add a link to the website. And if you'd like 
to read a little bit more, you can check out the mini blog post where I discuss the episode's cover art. Till next time.